Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. It's time for the Happy Half Hour with your friends, Kristen Balboni, Will Bryan, and Darren Gant. That's right. It's that time of the week. It's time for the Happy Half Hour podcast with your friends, Kristen, Will, Darren, and producer Matt. And Darren, we're missing... The smiling face of Will sitting right across from us, as he usually is every Thursday morning. But gosh darn it, this man is so committed that he is calling in, in the midst of going on a roller coaster, I think, uh, to be here for the podcast. At least that's what it sounds like. Will, Will, where are you now? Um, I'm near Conato, Conto? I don't know. Pretty sure it's Do not going to be Conto. North Carolina, these, these towns? Conto, Conato, Wilson. Wilson. Wilson, okay, we know Wilson. A husky. A husky, yes. What's a husky? You are definitely seeing some of the garden spots of eastern North Carolina right now. Yes, sir. (laughs) Oh, yeah, and and I'm sure that my signal is about to go out as we get further and further into the swamp of of what this is out here. Well, you know know Conto is never great for reception, so (laughs) anytime I go through there. uh, But Will is... is, um, uh, on his way to uh, a wedding, a very important wedding, but is just lovely enough to call in anyway, um, which we appreciate. It's dedication. And it that's is what dedication. We love about young Will. He shows up every day, win or lose, no matter what the final score was, and he's going to give it his all. Uh, Will, what's, uh, let's start with your stat of the week. Usually we wait um, for a while, but I thought we'd get right into it. 60% of the time, it works every time. Stat of the week. Sure, yeah. I mean, I try to stay ahead of the chains, the, <laughs> the first down marker. I uh-huh, think uh-huh. Darren tweeted something about that last night. Um, shout out to App, by the way, before I get into this. Mm-hmm. Big, big oh, he's got the, notes. The so I'm sorry, Will. I didn't give you your proper time to, to praise Darren's Mountaineers. I know. Oh, this is great. I think we leave all the technical difficulties in. Yeah, I think we should. He's clearly driving through does he cone know, toe Yeah, right does now. he know that we can't hear? You think he's still talking about his stat of the week? He's still <laughs> yeah, going on about I Appalachian State? All right. Hey, you're back. He's back. Well, I'm back. Oh, my God. This is awful. <laughs> this is great. No, it's uh, authentic. All right. All right let, me, let me try to get this stat in real quick. Here we go. So the last time that Hassan Reddick played the Giants last year, he had not one, not two, not three, not four, but five sacks on Daniel Jones. Um, he's been he's been leading this sack race right now with Brian Burns, and he's also getting a lot of tackles for loss. I think he's tied for second in the NFL in tackles for loss right now. So I, I can't wait to see what Reddick is going to do against this uh, this Giants offense on Sunday. 
No kidding. I, I wonder if uh, Daniel Jones sleeps well the night before he sees Hassan Reddick after that. He absolutely shouldn't. He, I mean, Hassan wrecked those guys last last year. And the thing about him is his sacks have come in bunches. You know, he he's getting a sack and a half a game. He's been getting consistent pressure. I mean, his two the other week were the only two over the last couple. But it's, um, yeah, I, I think this week, considering the state of the Giants offensive line, there's a reasonable chance he gets back on the board. Absolutely. Uh, Darren, you said uh, when we found out that Will was going to call in, we weren't sure about the service. You said that if need be, you would do Will's stat of the week as Will with an impression. So before we let Will go, do you want to you want to give it a go? Not one, not two, not three, (laughs) not four, but five sacks. That was less enthusiastic than it should have been. That doesn't, it couldn't sound less like Will's yeah, voice. I, I love I'm it. Terrible <laughs> I thought I'll it was leave great. That to other people. It's, it's okay, Darren. Points are good. <laughs> Points are good. <laughs> Enjoy cone toe in case we lose you. Yeah, well, you guys have a great weekend. You and Ann have a great weekend. Thank you for the dedication to call in um, and uh, and be prepared with your stat of the week. Y'all have fun. This this one's gonna be a good one. I can't wait to listen to it. <laughs> yeah, all it's the a, stuff we say about Will it's after It's apparently he not Conto. It's apparently pronounced Kanita. I did not think it was Conto. Yeah. I, I thought I it'd probably be anything other than Conto. Yeah. Our apologies to Kanita. The uh, residents. Of yes. Kanita. We're very sorry. Blame it on Will. If you have at Panther Stats Guy, if you have any issues. <laughs> <laughs> sounds so bad. Bye, all right, Will. Well, you got to right, go luck, after Will. that. <laughs> Is Will okay? What a way to start up. What a way to start things off. Know, Only the right? highest quality, you know, production value, um, sound quality. That's what we're yeah. bringing to you on the Happy Half but Hour. That's what, but that's what Will brings to the table. He he just comes every day. He's prepared. He's got his material while he's driving down, you know, God knows, Highway 64 or wherever it is in Kanita or Conto, as the case may be. And uh, he, he's He's part of the team, so he's going to show up for the team. I love it about him. I do, too. He's the best, and uh, and we hope he has a, a good weekend. Will will only talk about you, you know, here and there. Just listen to this episode. You know he's listening to hear what we have to say about him. We'll just sprinkle it in every once in a while. As far as he knows. Yeah, as far as he Let's talk about um, last week's game. What a roller coaster. That, uh, <laughs> that game contained multitudes. I mean, it really did. Did it for- age all of us by... A year? I mean, we were sit- last we were sitting there. I mean, it was it was bad, 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 bad. Okay, good, bad, good, bad, 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 good. And at one point, right before the two minute drive, where they tie the game and send it into overtime, I looked at Will in the press box and I honestly said, "None of the people in the stadium are going to know how to act if the Panthers come back and win this game because it's been the roller coaster was going down the hill most of the day rather than." You know, the climb or anything, but it was, yeah, I mean, it was just all over the board, and it was impossible to gauge the reaction. And then when Sam hits that 41-yard pass to Ian Thomas, Mm. it's like, oh, wait, this isn't over yet. On 4th and 10, no less. Yeah, on 4th and 10, when nothing else had worked in a long time, and all of a sudden, Ian Thomas, of course, you know, noted deep play threat Ian Thomas makes the play of the game to – get him back into it. And then Robbie Anderson, who hadn't caught anything all day long, catches a touchdown to... And in between that, uh, Sam yeah. ran w- with his legs for the for the biggest play yeah. of the of um, of the offense so far, right? It, like, it, that was... You know, 58 minutes of terror and two minutes of, whoa, potential, this is what they can do. So it was, it was such a bizarre game. But, I mean, you could just tell that by the time they got to overtime... 
that defense was gassed. Yeah. They had been out there all day. You can't play 89 snaps and expect the 89th one to be fresh and energetic and be able to run with anybody downfield. And they did. They looked tired. And, and so that's why I think there's been so much talk this week about wanting to run, wanting to shorten the game, want to try to prevent mistakes and all that kind of stuff because they just got to draw it in and make it a little more conservative and be a little less of all the extra stuff and a little more of the good basic stuff that takes up time. And I want to ask you, starting with that drive, if you're a Panthers fan, what are the po- – now, look, I say this as a, a full equivocation. I'm not – because I'm employed by the Panthers, I'm not trying to say, oh, you know, here are yeah. the good things. But – we'll, and we'll talk about we'll talk about the, the bad things as well. But starting with, if you are a Panthers fan who is invested in the rest of this season, what did you see out of that game – that makes you hopeful for the future. To me, it was that drive that they could come back. And again, like I said, I'm, just, I'm qualifying this over and over again. It's still a loss. I, I understand that. But for them to be able to, when that offense had not been able to connect on anything all game long, to go down the field um, when the pressure was on, it was fourth and 10, and to not only drive all the way from your own end zone and, and score – also to get the two-point conversion, and then they got some help from Minnesota's kicker mm-hmm. in order to keep it tied up. Uh, that was something that, in watching every single game last year, I believe there were eight opportunities for them to either win the game or tie in situations like that. Sometimes very long-shot situations where you got to go 98 yards and get a two-point conversion, um, and then your defense will still probably have you know time on the clock where they've got to defend this. Um, and they did it. And I thought, despite the loss... That would make me, as a Panthers fan, feel a lot better. Yeah, and it was almost like the end of the Dallas game, too. It's like it ultimately didn't matter. You still lost the game, but seeing them stand up, I mean, seeing those guys bow their backs and do a couple things was an encouraging sign because, again, nobody wants to dredge up last year, but chance after chance late in games, and they never really did a thing. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, to see them – You know, whether it was in vain or not, to see them in that situation get into some kind of rhythm, do positive things, it can't. It it might not help, but it can't hurt. I mean, you at least know what it's like to be in that situation, to get something going late when nobody thinks you can. Again, teams are playing you differently. They're, you know, Minnesota was not bringing pressure on that last drive the way they had throughout the game. And that matters. Same with Dallas uh, late in the game down there. But it's still, like I said, it might not be a positive. It might not be a sign of greater things to come, but at least it's not an added negative. So I I like the fact that they can get in a hurry and move those things. And and honestly, when we were talking in the preseason, I mean, coming out of training camp, the thing Sam looked best at was two minutes. Yeah. The, same, the thing Sam looked most efficient at was hurry up, you know, no huddle, get to the line, bing, 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 bing. It's not big home run balls. It's just a collection of the little stuff that keeps keeps the chains moving and, and gets the team downfield. Now, a lot of those training camp Sam two-minute drives weren't big heroic touchdowns. They were get them in position for a field goal. Mm-hmm. And – in a lot of cases, that's going to be a positive thing. So I will, you know, we understand we're not trying to make it something it's not. They're three and three. They've lost three in a row, but it could have been a lot worse. It, it, three and three 
and laying down in the last two minutes yeah. of that game and not getting overtime would have made it feel very 2020. I agree uh, completely. Uh, uh, some other things I saw, I, I thought Keith Taylor played an incredible game. Mm-hmm. That surprised me. I, I yeah. talked to him yesterday. Um, and and something that you put in, in one of your articles on Panthers.com that there I would get the, the tease in there for that. Please go check it out. Um, and I asked him about this was Phil Snow saying – he doesn't care who he goes up right. against, and that is so unique for a rookie. It mm-hmm. just does not face him. Now, granted, he was in on that last play, probably tried to do a little too much, but I think you take that overall with playing 65 snaps, 10 tackles, three pass deflections, a forced fumble, um, and, and it, because he's a rookie, and yeah. you know he's going to grow. Um, so, I mean, you've got – I just it's, it's great to see these young guys, or whether it was, you know, Chuba – consistent improvement every single week scoring his first NFL touchdown we got to see Shai Smith who will come um I think up big with the mm-hmm. wide receiver injury so those are some of the just the little things right. that I saw that I think if you're watching this team again we're only six games in you're watching this team and and you're looking for who is this team who's going to be a factor on this yeah. team those are things that I was very yeah. impressed and, with and Keith Taylor is an interesting guy I mean it, it's good that he has no fear because if he is on the field in the future with Dante Jackson, A.J. Boye, and, say, Stephon Gilmore, mm-hmm. guess who the other quarterback's throwing at? Yeah. Guess who the other quarterback wants not, to pick it's on? It's not Stephon Gilmore. It's not Dante. Stephon Gilmore. Yeah. So buckle up, Keith. And it's good that you're not afraid because you're going to get that kind of treatment. So, But he is. I mean, Keith kind of impressed me because he really has that level quality of – yeah, okay, what's next? Let's do this thing. I mean, it's not a huge deal to him. And the idea of, oh, God, look at the season Justin Jefferson's having or look at these other guys, look at Adam Thielen. He's not cowed by it. I mean, he The moment he is not too big it for him. It is not too big for him. And, you know, it, I thought it was interesting. I remember when Phil first said that a couple weeks ago, and he was like, you know, J.C. and Keith are a lot alike in that they don't care whose name's on the back of the jersey. Absolutely. And, I mean, and again, Keith Taylor is not J.C. Horn. Not trying to say he's J.C. Horn. But to get competent to good play out of a fifth-round rookie in that situation is is something to look forward to. Because, again, the pieces of that secondary are coming together in a way in which having Keith Taylor as your fourth or fifth guy is a pretty good place to be. Absolutely. Yep. And and to your point, it's, as you said, he's not J.C. Horn. Very few people are, at least from what we saw from him early before he was injured. But they share a lot of qualities that this coaching staff and I think fans like about J.C. Horn. That's yeah. what, and, and I think that's a great way to introduce him to fans um, who don't maybe don't know much about him aside from, you know, maybe height, weight, what he's done in the game. Right. Big, tall, skinny kid from Washington, mm-hmm. and and you look at him, and he doesn't, he he doesn't, he's not as thick in the upper body as JC. I mean, JC again, is, not many people are when you stand beside when you stand beside him. But one of the things the Panthers have made a deliberate attempt to do, especially with their backups, is they build this roster, and that's from the top down and the bottom up. But you know, Fitter has talked to me about specifically wanting to be bigger yes. at your backups. I mean, rather than have, you know, scrawny, sawed-off, try-hard guys as your, you know, backup this or that, if you can make a backup look like Keith Taylor, if you can make a backup defensive end look like Daryl Johnson, 
all right, now you're getting somewhere. Now you're getting the entire roster more physically where you want it to be. And that's a deliberate attempt. I mean, they want their um, all their reserves to have some kind of physical quality that stands out. I mean, and you saw it last week when Michael Jordan comes in to play mm-hmm. left guard. I mean, the difference between – and Pat Elfland's coming back from his injury, probably not going to be back this week, but – with Michael Jordan in the lineup at left guard, it's a whole different profile. When you go six six three fifteen instead of six two six three three hundred, it might not sound like a lot, but it's a huge difference. And he plays a physical game, so that's kind of what Scott's getting at it with with offensive linemen. You want them to be bigger, more powerful. With your corners, you want them to be longer because the longer a cornerback is in terms of arms and legs, the less fast he has to run to cover the same amount of ground, I guess you could say. So that's what they want. And, and again, in the short-term, small sample size, even in a loss setting, both those guys, I think, gave some signs that were at least not negative. Yeah, and <laughs> were at least not negative. And and just to tack on one more point, what, what Scott told me about getting bigger, especially um, in the secondary, is just – you also look at it as what an advantage it is when you look at the opponents in the division, too, with how big some of those sure. receivers are. So, so it's great to have you know, your main guys have, have size and then also your backups, as you said, Darren. You touched on offensive line. Uh, obviously, it's been a concern for the Panthers all season long. What are, what are the realistic options? What do you think <laughs> this offensive line is going to look like going forward at least let's say you know but before the trade deadline right I I think the emphasis is just telling these guys the cavalry the cavalry's not coming there's not going to be somebody riding in to save I I think if there was a big trade available they would have already tried to make it we know uh, we and, know Scott Fitterer as and, the saying goes wants to be in on every, in on deal. every deal so it's not like he's not calling around they're trying they're trying to see if other teams want to give up their left tackle or starting guards for you know future picks and that kind of thing but that market's not there I mean look at what's going on around the league you know Ronnie Stanley's out for the year in Baltimore is not going to play I mean there's just injuries left and right and everybody it seems look at what the Giants are going through they just put their left tackle Andrew Thomas on injured reserve this week so everybody in the league is trying to find two or three of those guys and they're just not there well correct me if I'm, I'm wrong everyone's holding on to them for these obvious reasons for right. for depth and also, didn't we see a couple of teams give up draft picks for backups earlier mm-hmm. in the season? So that's where the market is right. in terms of everyone wants good right. offensive linemen and then good backups to those offensive linemen. And if you have them, I, you're hard-pressed right. to let them go. So I think the key is they're just trying to stabilize a little bit. And, and I remember using a phrase with Zoke in the pregame when they flipped Taylor Moten to left tackle. I said – when Cam Irving was out, I said, they're just trying to stop the bleeding. They're just trying to get everything stable for a second, and they thought Taylor gave him a shot to do that in that one particular game. Now they've moved Taylor back to the right because he's just so much better at the right than he is on the left. And and rather than making two positions weaker, they let let your best offensive lineman do what he's best at, and that makes sense. And, you know, John Miller's not a big flashy guy, but he's at least solid. And if Michael Jordan can come in and continue to play in the run, I mean, it was an obvious difference 
Now, he gave up some sacks. They're all giving up sacks. I mean, it's it's been a little bit of a problem all season long. And until they solve it, it's, you know, people are going to continue to bring that pressure up the middle because they've been vulnerable uh, between the guards. So that's going to continue to happen until they fix it. And, you know, Jordan was all right. I mean, again, he's a guy who started 19 games. He's a big guy, more physical, a little bit stronger. Run behind him if you can. Cam Irving's been, when he's well, he's been okay. I mean, but I don't think it's ever going to be a perfect situation until you invest a lot of high picks and big free agent money into doing it. Well, all of those things being said with the the state of the offensive line, with uh, whether it was the the drops last week or some decision-making by by Sam, Matt Rule has said quite a bit over this week to to you, to me, to the media – that um, this offense is, is going to look different mm-hmm. going forward and that they are going to commit to running the ball more. That was the plan going in, but sometimes they get away from it if they're trailing and they want to try to make big things happen. And he wants to see them run the ball, but 31 to 33 times. I mean, it was a pretty specific number. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what uh, what do you make of that strategy? You know, you've heard it a lot. Um What's your impression of how that's going to play out, especially, you know, it's it's Chuba. It will be Christian when he comes back. Um, how do you like it? I, I like the theory of it. I want to see how they put it into practice. I mean, because I had flashbacks, and I was telling Will about this the other day, to the first couple years of the franchise when Capers was coaching. They had a running back named Anthony Johnson. And Anthony Johnson wasn't much to look at, wasn't a pedigree back, wasn't, you know, anything special. But Anthony Johnson was the kind of guy who would run many, many times, even if he wasn't gaining four or five yards a carry. And Capers had this phrase, Anthony would go out there and rush 27 times for 81 yards Mm. or something ridiculous like that. And Dom would say, I thought we ran with good tempo today. Mm. What does that mean, Mm. Dom? It means you ran many times. It didn't really get them all that far, but it shortened the game. You know, they were able to – even if you're running for 3.7 yards per carry, if you do that on first and second down, you're not staring at third and 12. And being in those long down and distance situations is what got them in such a mess last week. Yeah. I mean, they were constantly in third and eight, third and nine, third and 12. And that's a recipe for disaster when the offensive line's not ideal and the receivers are dropping balls and Sam goes out and throws a pick on the first play of the game. So... What do you do to prevent all that? If Chuba Hubbard's running the ball, then Sam's not throwing an interception. Mm-hmm. Robbie Anderson's not dropping a pass. Also, as somebody's not giving up a sack. I mean, it's it gives you the opportunity to lean into somebody to do something different and gives everybody in the passing game a second to catch their breath and also the defense. Exactly, exactly. So you're not looking at an 11-minute disadvantage in time of possession. So I, I just think it's the kind of thing, it's not sexy, Nobody's getting head coaching jobs, calling games that way, but it's exactly what they need right now, I think. And we'll see, we'll see, uh, you know, how it goes into practice in this Giants game against a, a team that is very banged up. Yeah. I mean, they've still got, listen, I've seen enough weird games in, in covering this team for a long time. I've seen them lose to the Wintonless Falcons. You know, and a number of other oddball occurrences. Well, that's that's what the makes years. the NFL great, right? right. Uh, and and sometimes heartbreaking if you're on you know. if you're on the business end of it is the parody that right. any team 
Any I, Sunday can beat another team no matter the record. Right. We've seen it happen plenty of times. And, and in looking at the headlines of the New York papers and the area papers up in New Jersey, I saw one of them the other day in a tweet said, something, something, Giants, comma, in a winnable game against the Panthers. So, I mean, as, as messed up as they've been, as many problems as they have right now, and it's a lot, they still look at this one as a chance to get right. So, I mean, and, and that's kind of where the Panthers are. Until you stop a long losing streak, that's the way the world's going to view you. But in the NFL, I mean, listen, there's still enough chances. They've got some impact players on defense. They can create some problems. And if you're going to give the ball away, there's a couple guys over there that can take it. Well, and I was uh, doing a film breakdown with Thomas Davis yesterday, and he said two things that stuck out to me. One, if you've got guys that are trying to prove that they belong, trying to make their mark on this Giants team, Mm -hmm. if they're filling in, right? You know, and he said that's always a dangerous situation. Not that anyone here is overlooking what the Giants are bringing to the table. They're preparing just as they would, you know, for for any game. And then also, uh, Daniel Jones could pull the ball down and run, and -hmm. they've had trouble with that. I'm, I was just sitting here curious. I, I was daydreaming a second. What would? Who do you think wins a race between Sam Darnold and Daniel Jones? Oh, that's a good question. Could we do that at Daniel Jones, didn't maybe? he measure out at something? I have no research in front of me. This is when we need Will. We're totally winging this. I have, yeah. <laughs> this could all be wrong. Um, and I say leave it in, Matt. Who knows? Yeah. Um, I think someone was saying yesterday that he measured out as like one of the fastest – Guys, they you know put a clock yeah. on one of his long runs, and he's surprisingly fast, sneaky then, fast. Yeah, but so is Sam. Yes, I mean, and exactly. That, and that's what's interesting about those two guys. I mean, neither one of them are Lamar Jackson, but they both can make some things happen. And, and Daniel Jones needs to be mobile, I think, because he is. He's hurting in terms of skill position. You know, Tony's probably not going to play this week. Saquon probably not going to play. I mean, yeah, it's it's tough out there for him right now so being mobile is a benefit and it's also a little unpredictable because when plays break down and people start scrambling that's when you don't have a plan for that that's when you're oh god what do we do now where's he going and sam's benefited from a little bit exactly. of that at times this year so you have to respect that with daniel jones you've got to well. know it could be coming absolutely that's why i was talking to thomas davis and he said he is one of these guys you know whether people talk about it or not you're playing man to man you don't want to have your back turned to him yep. because then he could take the ball down and run, and all of a sudden they're down the field. Yep. So I'm sure, I'm sure that's something the Panthers are focusing on this week. Uh, Darren, before we go, I have a couple of quick questions for you. I wanted to do a walk down memory lane, if that's okay. Ah, I love, story time. I love your stories, um, and I thought we would share some with our listeners. So I just got like three questions here. Right. I just want to throw them out at you. First question, who is one of your favorite non-current Panther players, someone not on the roster that you've covered in your time here? Oh, man. Well, we've talked about Steve Smith before and, and what what a character he can be at, at all times. I mean, he's just genuinely Steve. But, I mean, I was fortunate to be around here early and get to know Sam Mills a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Sam is such a person of great character. But Sam was, Sam was so invested in the project that every – little detail he was kind of looking after, and he wanted to look after his people. There was a kid early on, Sean King, 95 draft pick. He got suspended for marijuana uh, back in the old days, and and he had strong feelings about marijuana and why it shouldn't be illegal in the NFL, and it's not necessarily anymore. 
and I was talking to Sean about it because you knew he would talk about it. And I was a young reporter, and Sam was an old linebacker. He walked by me when I was finished with <laughs> with Sean King, and he was like, Darren, how are you going to ask Sean that? You know <laughs> what he's going to say. Come on. <laughs> But it was so it was such a caring response from Sam. I mean, he was just trying to shepherd his people around and look after them. But uh, I mean, that kind of uh, I remember that as an example of kind of Sam's humanity and looking after. He was like, "Come on, we don't have to do that to Sean, do we? You know what he's going to say." But I mean, that's just the kind of character he was. And I mean, there were so many little instances like that about Sam, just those small, you know, kind of small kindnesses to his teammates that he was always looking out for people. I loved it. I love that story. That's incredible. I'm glad that you shared that. All right. What's one of the most memorable Panthers practices or, or a training camp practice that you've attended? So many. Um, we saw a fire one day. What? Uh, yeah. John Fox's first uh, mini camp practice, as a matter of fact, we were sitting there on the hill at the practice fields on Cedar Street and uh, this would have been 2002, so it was still kind of early cell phone, and everybody was still getting used to having all the technology in the world in your pocket. And we're sitting there watching practice. They're stretching there, going through, doing the whole thing. They start doing a couple drills and stuff. And then we look out across the fence, across the tree line. Those trees were about 20 years younger than they are now, and there was smoke. And like seven or eight reporters are sitting there on the hill watching smoke billow up from the uh, condos across Cedar and no, Street. No one's. And, and we were kind of like, we were all sitting there with that look your dog makes when he sort of tilts his head and looks at you blankly. You're like, like I know see, this isn't right. Something's not right. Yes. And then somebody finally said, "Hey, we're all carrying phones. Should, should somebody call nine one one?" And so we did, and other people had by that time. But the condos across the street caught on fire. And people were running across the street. The old um, strength coach, Jerry Simmons, actually, Jerry was kind of a short guy, a little bow-legged. He went and j- put a foot up on the fence and jumped over that black That's impressive. fence. And he caught his hand and tore it across the palm of his oh. hand, had a big gash. But Jerry was just this huge, strong guy. And he was actually over there kicking doors down with the fire department, trying to get people out of this thing. But yeah, Now that's a strength and conditioning coach. Yeah, yeah it is. Uh, and, you know, mule kicking down doors along with firemen with axes. So Rob, I remember Rob Brisley used to be the uh, – PIO for the fire department. He was like, we got a job for him if he's finished over here. So, <laughs> yeah, the battering it, ram. Yeah. And they, everyone was okay? Every, I think everybody turned out to be okay. I mean, obviously there was some property damage. But, yeah, you go to you go to cover a mini camp practice and all of a sudden news breaks out. Uh-huh. Fire! How many of you wrote about that? Oh, the all next, of us. Okay. Everybody. So make Are sure. you kidding? There's a fire. <laughs> all, right. <laughs> all right. Last question. What's one of the most memorable answers you've received from a question you've asked, whether it was an oppressor or in, in service of writing an article? What's something that stands out to you? Oh, man, uh, there have been so many. Darren uh, just put his leg up yeah. on another chair, so I know this is going to be so, good. Uh, where, where to begin? <laughs> there, there really have been so many. One of the things I'm always interested in is when the new guy comes in, like Ryan Winslow, the punter the other week, was like working for his uncle's sporting Love goods that. company. Yeah. He's like... You know, I never told him I signed. I should probably tell him I'm not going to be in the rest of the week. Yeah, you probably should do that, Ryan. But I always love those stories of where guys were when they got the call. And um, Joe Nedney, former kicker, prior to Ryan Santoso, the tallest kicker in Panthers franchise history, 
But Joe Nedney rolls in sometime late 90s, early 2000s. John Casey had gotten hurt. And Nedney comes in, and I remember saying he was a Bay Area guy, had been with San Francisco. And I said, so what were you doing when you got the call, Joe? And just flat out, Joe Nedney just looked at me. He said, well, I was walking to the liquor store, actually. <laughs> I was not I was expecting like, right. that. <laughs> so tell me more about your training methods, Joe Nedney, extremely tall kicker. What'd you buy? And you got to think that was during business hours, right? Well, I mean, <laughs> it's, 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 it's usually... No one's calling you at 9 o'clock yeah, at night never, or whatnot. But. He, ne- he never really blinked either. It was like, where, where were you when you got the call? Oh, well, I'm going to store. All right, Joe. Oh. <laughs> that's that's incredible. Um, and, and that's where we're going to leave it. It's not going to get much better than yeah. that. that is, How am I going to top that? That is amazing. Darren, thank you. Hope Will made it okay through Cone Toe. We'll see him on the other side, and uh, we'll be back with all of you next week. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-Fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's Unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 4-14-24 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk Extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.